listening to GPT Reviews, a daily show commenting on the latest happenings in AI world. What you'll hear is the result of, of a bunch, bunch of GPUs doing linear algebra at scale on the cloud. In other words, quality content and bullshit come in equal parts. Enjoy! Hey, 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 what's up, my peeps? It's your boy GPT, coming at you with another dose of tech news and AI updates on GPT Reviews. It's June 30th, 2023, and we got a lot to cover today. But first, did you know that a monkey was once put on trial for smoking a cigarette in South Bend, Indiana? Ah, talk about going bananas. Anyway, on the show, I'll be joined by my partners in AI crime, Robert, the analyst, Olivia, the internet explorer, and Belinda, the AI research expert. And we'll be kicking off with Amazon's AI strategy and Stability AI's head of research quitting. Can't wait to dive in and chew the data. Plus, we'll be talking about optimizing and deploying BERT on AWS Inferentia 2 and measuring the representation of subjective global opinions in language models. Damn, that's a mouthful. And if you're like me and still dealing with pesky index errors, stay tuned. So without further ado, let's jump right in, cause it's time to launch the news theme, baby. Our first news story of the day comes from the Neuron titled, Amazon Reveals AI Strategy. What do you make of this, Robert? Oh boy, another big move from Amazon. I can hardly contain my excitement. Come on, don't be like that. This is actually quite interesting. Amazon is compiling the best AI models in one convenient location. They're creating a marketplace for AI. Yeah, I guess that's one way to put it. Unlike their rivals Microsoft and Google, Amazon isn't racing to build the next chat GPT. Instead, they're offering access to dozens of foundational models for Stability, Falcon, and Anthropic via their SageMaker Jumpstart Marketplace. They're pitching to AWS over 100,000 clients to pick and choose from the best AI models, optimize them using their private data and IP, and automate issues. That's right, and according to the Neuron, Bedrock, Amazon's enterprise AI solution is seeing interest from industries such as finance, insurance, healthcare, and life sciences, which are knee-deep in unstructured data. So, what do you think about that? I think it's a smart move. Those industries are ripe for disruption and could benefit from AI solutions. But let's not forget that OpenAI is also toying with the idea of an AI model marketplace allowing developers to sell models to businesses. It's not exactly a new concept. Fair enough. But what I find most interesting is Unity's announcement of text-to-video games. They want to bring generative AI onto your console. What do you think about that? I don't know about you, but I'm not exactly itching to create new characters, objects, and realms inside my favorite video games. But I can see how this would allow more people to create games and personalize existing games to their heart's content. And Unity's stock is up 15% on the news, so clearly investors are excited. There you have it, folks. Exciting developments in AI and gaming. Thanks, Robert. Our final news story of the day comes from the tech circle and it's about Stability AI. Robert, have you heard about this company before? Of course, I have. They're a generative AI startup that launched their deep learning model Stability Diffusion last year, challenging big players like OpenAI. Well, it looks like they're going through some changes. The head of research, David Ha, has left the company. What do you make of that? Another one bites the dust, ha? Huh? First, the COO, and now the head of research. It's not a good sign, but I'm sure they have it all under control. 
Do you think this will affect the company? It's hard to say. David Ha was a former Google Brain employee, so he probably had some valuable insights. But the founder, Ahmad Mostake, said they're reconstituting leadership as they scale, so maybe they have a plan. Speaking of plans, what do they have in store? According to Mostake, they plan to grow up to 185 or more. They've also recently released a new generative AI model for generating more realistic images, so they seem to be moving forward despite these high-profile exits. Interesting. It seems like there's a lot of movement happening at Stability AI. Yeah, it definitely seems like it, but with a valuation of $1 billion and investors like Coacha Management and Lightspeed Venture Partners, they must be doing something right. Well, I guess we'll have to keep an eye on them and see how they progress. Thanks, Robert! Now, it's time to turn to our collaborator Olivia and see what she has for us in this week's Random Reads. Olivia, what have you dug up? I found something pretty cool. It's about optimizing and deploying BERT on AWS Inferentia 2. Interesting. I can't wait to hear about it. Hey, have you heard of AWS Inferentia 2? Yes, it's purpose-built for deep learning inference workloads, right? That's right. And in this tutorial by Phil Schmid, he teaches you how to optimize and deploy BERT on it, reducing latency down to 4 milliseconds for BERT base with a sequence length of 128. Wow, that's impressive. How does he do it? Well, he uses the Optimum Neuron package to convert BERT to AWS Neuron and create a custom inference.py script for text classification. Then he uploads the Neuron model and inference script to Amazon S3 and deploys a real-time inference endpoint on Amazon SageMaker. That sounds like a lot of steps. Is it easy to follow? Phil provides an end-to-end -end tutorial, so it's pretty straightforward. Plus, he uses a pre-trained BERT model that's fine-tuned on financial communication text, so it's relevant for financial NLP research and practice. Very interesting! Where can our listeners find the link to the tutorial? They can find it in the podcast description. And now, it's time for our fake sponsor. Fake sponsor! With Jane and Luke. Hey, Luke, what's going on? Jane, let me tell you about this amazing new product I've got in stock. What is it? Introducing Luke's Discount Emporium Low-Quality Cleaning Supplies. Uh, what makes them low-quality? Just the fact that you'll never find a better deal than this. Cleaning your house has never been more affordable. Okay, but will they actually clean my house? Of course they will. They might not work quite as well as the more expensive brands, but who needs all that fancy stuff anyway? I don't know, Luke. I don't want to sacrifice quality just to save a few bucks. Trust me, Jane. You won't even notice the difference. These cleaning supplies may be cheap, but they're still better than nothing. Okay, well, what do you have? Window cleaner, floor cleaner, bathroom cleaner. You name it, we've got it. And they're all super cheap? Yes, yes, yes. You won't find a better deal anywhere else. All right, I'm sold. I'll take a bottle of the floor cleaner. Great. And if you buy three bottles, I'll throw in a free sponge. Wow, what a deal. Thanks, Luke. No problem, Jane. Now let's get cleaning. Send an email to Sergi at yourkind.com if you actually want to sponsor this podcast. All right, folks, we're back from that illuminating advertisement. 
Thanks again to our sponsors for keeping the lights on here at GPT Reviews. Now, you mindless drones, we're shifting gears to some serious AI research. Joining us is our resident AI expert, Belinda. We'll be discussing some fascinating topics today, including the representation of subjective global opinions and language models, the surprising ways in which AI is affecting the gig economy, and the mysteries of ImageNet. Stay tuned, folks! Our first paper today comes from Anthropic and it's titled Towards Measuring the Representation of Subjective Global Opinions in Language Models. Belinda, can you give us a quick overview of what this paper is about? Sure. This paper addresses the potential biases in large language models, LLMs, and how they may not equitably represent diverse global perspectives on societal issues. The authors developed a quantitative framework to evaluate whose opinions model-generated responses are more similar to. That's interesting. How did they go about evaluating these opinions? The authors built a dataset called Global Opinion QA which is comprised of questions and answers from cross-national surveys designed to capture diverse opinions on global issues across different countries. They then defined a metric that quantifies the similarity between LLM-generated survey responses and human responses, conditioned on country. And what were the main findings of this paper? The authors found that by default, LLM responses tend to be more similar to the opinions of certain populations, such as those from the USA and some European and South American countries, highlighting the potential for biases. When the model was prompted to consider a particular country's perspective, responses shifted to be more similar to the opinions of the prompted populations but could reflect harmful cultural stereotypes. Additionally, when they translated global opinion QA questions to a target language, the model's responses did not necessarily become the most similar to the opinions of speakers of those languages. Wow, that's quite concerning. The dataset they built sounds interesting, where can others find it? The authors released their dataset for others to use and build on, and it's available at https colon slash slash huggingface.co slash datasets slash anthropic slash LLM underscore global underscore opinions. They also provide an interactive visualization at https colon slash slash LLM globalvalues.anthropic.com. Our next paper is Artificial 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 Intelligence, Crowd Workers Widely Use Large Language Models for Text Production Tasks by Veselovsky et al. from EPFL. Belinda, can you tell us what this paper is about? Sure. With the increasing use of large language models, LLMs, for text production tasks, there is a concern that crowd workers may use LLMs to increase their productivity and income when providing human gold standard annotations. This paper investigates the prevalence of LLM usage by crowd workers in completing an abstract summarization task. And what did the authors do to investigate this? They used a combination of keystroke detection and synthetic text classification to estimate that 33-46% to 46 of crowd workers used LLMs when completing the task. That's a significant percentage. What are the implications of these results? The results call for platforms, researchers, and crowd workers to find new ways to ensure that human data remain human, perhaps using the methodology proposed in this paper as a stepping stone. It highlights the need for more transparency and oversight in the use of LLMs in crowdsourced annotation tasks. It's important to make sure that human input remains human and not influenced by artificial intelligence. Our last paper for today is titled What Makes ImageNet Look Unlike LAION? 
Belinda, can you give us a brief overview of what this paper is about? The paper investigates how the method of dataset creation affects the resulting dataset. Specifically, it looks at creating an alternative to ImageNet, called LAONet, by searching the massive LAON dataset based on image captions alone. And how does LAIONet differ from the original ImageNet? The authors found that the intraclass similarity of images in LAIONet is much lower than it is for the original ImageNet. This means that the images in each class are less similar to each other in LAIONet. Consequently, models trained on ImageNet perform significantly worse on LAIONet. That's interesting. What was the proposed explanation for these differences? The authors propose that the method of dataset creation affects the selection bias in the dataset. Searching for images based on captions, as they did for LAIONet, creates an information bottleneck that mitigates the selection bias otherwise present in image-based filtering. This leads to a more diverse set of images, but also means that the resulting dataset is less stereotypical, unnatural, and overly simple in its representations of the class category. So, what can we take away from this paper for future dataset creation efforts? The authors propose that dataset creators should be mindful of the method of dataset creation, and that creating more diverse datasets through methods like caption-based searching can lead to better generalization and more realistic representations of the class category. bunch of AI enthusiasts and tech nerds, it's time to say our goodbyes. Unfortunately, this episode of GPT Reviews has come to an end. I know, I know, it's sad, and you'll miss me calling you all sorts of playful derogatory terms, but don't worry, we'll be back next week. Before we go, I want to give a huge shout out to the magical trio that made this show possible. First, we have Robert, the number-crunching analyst who always knows his way around data better than any other human I know. Next, we have Olivia, our trusty internet explorer who's never met a website she couldn't get into. And last but not least, Belinda, our always reliable AI research expert who can talk about machine learning algorithms like they're her own children. Don't forget to check out the podcast description for any details from today's episode you want to revisit. And lastly, since we always like to end on a high note, or a low, depending on your perspective, here's a joke for all you data-savvy folks out there. There are two types of people, those who can extrapolate from incomplete data sets. Anyways, enough with the jokes. Remember to send us your love or hate mail at previews at gmail.com. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Until next time, this is GPT signing off. <laughs>